I'm writing this on Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. Tornado alarms are going off in my neighborhood in Chicago. Rain is drizzling slightly. And dogs not accustomed to the high-pitched and consistent wail of the sirens are howling along with it. This seems like the perfect time to discuss Chicago's terrifying tornadoes. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. This episode discusses death and destruction from weather events and, while not graphic, may not be suitable for sensitive listeners. The United States sees more tornadoes than any other place in the world, averaging nearly 1,200 per year, followed by Canada, which averages not quite one-tenth that amount, with 100. When many people think of tornadoes, they think of the states that make up what is known as Tornado Alley. Although Illinois, and more specifically Chicago, doesn't compare to Texas, which sees 120 tornadoes a year on average, the land of Lincoln has still seen its share of high winds, destruction, and even death as the result of tornadic events. While all states have recorded tornadoes at some point, states that make up Tornado Alley, which include Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, Indiana, Missouri, Iowa, Ohio, and yes, Illinois, on the northern edge of Tornado Alley, are the most prone to this weather activity. Allow me to be a weather geek for just a moment to explain why there is a Tornado Alley. Warm, moist air from the Gulf of Mexico, dry air from deserts of the southwest, and cold air from the Rocky Mountains and Canada combine to create the perfect conditions for making severe thunderstorms, including tornadoes, and that all happens most often right here in the Midwest. In the U.S., Illinois is currently ranked number six, with an average number of tornadoes of 61 Tornado-related deaths here average 5, which puts us at number 13 in the U.S. In 2022, Illinois recorded 34 tornadoes, that's number 12 in the states, which fortunately did not result in any deaths. The primary way that tornadoes are classified is by using the Fujita scale, developed by a University of Chicago professor named Tetsuya Theodore Ted Fujita, who was also known to his colleagues as Mr. Tornado. In 1971, Fujita, who was born in Japan in 1920 before moving to the States in 1953 to work in research at the University of Chicago, developed the Fujita scale, which categorizes the strength of tornadoes from 0 to 5 based on wind speeds and ensuing damage. The Fujita scale was later applied to historical data based on written accounts and photographs of the tornado damage. F-Zero tornadoes cause minor damage with winds between 40 and 72 miles per hour. On the other side of the scale are F-5 tornadoes, clocking winds between 261 to 319 miles per hour, flattening most everything in their path. A modified version of the Fujita scale was introduced in 2007 and is in use today. Fujita and his study of microbursts and other weather anomalies 
has been credited with saving thousands of lives. One of the most significant tornadoes in Chicago's early history occurred in May of 1876. A storm front descended on the Midwest and in its path, Leavenworth, Kansas, all the way to Chicago. While Leavenworth saw the brunt of a tornado that touched down there and destroyed 50-plus buildings, Chicago also experienced severe damage. According to newspaper reports from 1876, the most serious catastrophe of that storm occurred at the Michigan Southern Freight Depot, which at the time was one of the largest freight depots in the world. The Michigan Southern Depot was 800 feet long, running from Polk to Taylor Streets with railroad tracks on one side and Pacific Avenue, later renamed LaSalle Street, on the other. With a crash of lightning that struck the tin roof of the building, the fury of the storm came down upon the depot, tearing off a large portion of the roof with a 225-foot section of the southern wall of the building collapsing. Although 75 men and their supervisor were inside the building when the storm hit, most were in the center and were not hurt. Unfortunately, 10 to 12 laborers were working on the southern end, and when the wall fell in, it buried many of those depot workers in rubble, injuring five or six seriously. The roof of the Cook County Hospital at 18th Street was ripped up, with roughly 1,200 square feet of it blown entirely from the building, exposing those there to, quote, the pitiless storm of rain which was descending in torrents at the time. Patients hearing the groan of the building as the tornado tore away the roof began screaming and running for safety as water poured in. Shockingly, there were no reports of patient injuries due to the storm. Fragments of the hospital roof were found as far east as Clark Street. Large sections of the roof were thrown to the street in front of the hospital, and any remaining portion of the 6,600-square-foot roof was mangled to the point of ruin. When the Board of County Commissioners met the day after the tornado to discuss how best to repair the hospital, the Superintendent of Buildings submitted a proposal asking for $2,000 to bring the roof back to the way it was pre-storm. And, because Chicago, one member of the group suggested instead replacing the tin roof with an asphalt roof, which would save them about a quarter of the repair cost. That idea of doing things on the cheap was quickly nixed. The storm also wreaked havoc in Hyde Park, causing significant damage to the Hyde Park Presbyterian Church at 53rd Street and Washington Avenue. The church's steeple was known to sway in heavy winds, but on this day in May of 1876, the storm hit with such intensity that the steeple was knocked from its base, sending it south and east, somehow missing the rest of the roof and landing in an open area to the south of the church. Side note, it took me a minute to figure this one out, as the Hyde Park Presbyterian Church at 53rd Street and Washington Avenue is now the United Church of Hyde Park, and Washington Avenue is now known as Blackstone Avenue. Other churches in the city experienced similar destruction, including a collapsed chimney at St. Mary's Church, based at 9th Avenue and Wabash in 1876, and the steeple at Grace Episcopal Church, one block from St. Mary's at 8th Street and Wabash, 
also tumbled over into the yard between the church and a home, crushing a brick wall. Elsewhere in the state, the storms extended as far south as Cairo, Carbondale, and Carlinville in Mattoon, Illinois, about 180 miles south and slightly west of Chicago. A train of five cars on the Illinois Central Railroad headed to St. Louis and then on to New Orleans was blown from the track by their tornado with the cars landing on their sides, injuring several passengers. Damage estimates for Chicago varied, putting the cost at between $7.1 and $14.2 million in today's money. One newspaper claimed this weather event in 1876 was, quote, the severest tornado that ever visited Chicago. Perhaps the most surprising aspect of this event was that only two deaths and 35 injuries were reported. This tornado was later categorized as an F3, with winds between 136 and 165 miles per hour. Two significant tornadoes tore across four counties in Illinois on Palm Sunday, March 28, 1920. At 12.05 p.m., the first traveled from just southeast of La Fox in northwest Kane County before heading to the south side of Elgin in Cook County and onto Wakanda in Lake County, the northern part of the state. This F3 tornado, with winds between 158 and 206 miles per hour, caused eight deaths and injured 100. Ten minutes after the first began, a second tornado formed, cutting a 53-mile path starting two miles north of Shanahan to Romeoville, continuing to the Bellwood-Maywood area, then on to Wilmette in the northern suburbs and out over Lake Michigan. The towns of Maywood and Melrose Park saw the brunt of the damage. This tornado, later classified as an F4, with winds reaching 207 to 260 miles per hour, claimed the lives of 20 and injured 300. These two Illinois tornadoes were part of an estimated 37 tornadoes, 31 of which were deemed significant, which took place across the Midwest and in the South on this day. The tornado left 153 dead and greater than 1,200 injured, across the country. It wasn't until April of 1948 that another F4 tornado passed through the Chicago area. This one traveled through Kankakee, Lake, Porter, and Jasper counties, traversing a 40-mile path of destruction starting two miles west of Mantino, about 50 miles south and slightly west of downtown Chicago, to five miles south of Hebron, Illinois, which is near the Wisconsin border, just south of Lake Geneva. That tornado killed four and injured 20. The 1950s saw a spate of tornadoes with an F1 or F2 occurring in six of the 10 years of that decade. According to data, there was only one death attributed to all those storms combined. Tornado activity in the Chicago area throughout the decade of the 1960s was frequent, with no significant ones reported in 1960. That changed only a few months into 1961. 
March 4, 1961, an F-2 tornado developed on the south side of Chicago at 5.04 p.m., starting near 91st and Western, heading to 68th Street and Lake Michigan, where thankfully it continued on over the water. Most heavily hit were the areas around 72nd and Stony Island, 88th and Hermitage, and 73rd and Kimbark. Reports in the Daily Calumet newspaper describe the scene at 76 and Cottage Grove as appearing like a scene from a grade B war movie, with broken bricks, glass, tree limbs, and shredded furniture lying in the street. One building had its entire front wall missing, but all the furniture inside was unmoved. Although this was a heavily populated area, only one death and 115 injuries were reported. Killed in the tornado was 59-year-old William Arnold, a lumber loader who was thrown against a building as he stepped from his car at 79th and Champlain. Seriously injured was a 24-year-old man who was blown through the roof of his home, landing 25 feet away on his rear porch. He was hanging laundry in the attic when the tornado hit his home. Many of the injured in the 1961 tornado on the south side were taken to Jackson Park Hospital at 75th and Stony Island, where just five weeks before, staff had staged a mock disaster drill, which, according to reports, helped personnel meet this emergency caused by the storm, quote, quietly and efficiently. The surprising number was the $7 million in damage this event caused, which translates to about $71.5 million in today's money. Slightly more than four years later, in April of 1965, an F-4 tornado hit McHenry and Lake Counties following a path of devastation from Crystal Lake to Wakanda, 11 miles long and as much as 400 yards wide. Six people died and 75 were injured due to that storm. Damage from the storm exceeded $1.5 million. On April 21st, 1967, coming out of what was then one of the harshest winters Chicago had ever experienced, a wave of tornadoes struck northern Illinois with catastrophic effect. There were at least 10 tornadoes in northern Illinois that frightful day, part of 45 total in the state that day alone, including three F4 tornadoes in Belvedere, Lake Zurich, and Oaklawn, Illinois. While working on this story, I called my friend Raul Bergerson, who owns Valley Orchards in Cherry Valley, roughly 73 miles northwest of Chicago. Bergerson grew up in that area, not far from Belvedere, and I thought he might have memories of the storm. Bergerson was 20 years old at the time and recalled being home on leave from the Army. He and his parents were in nearby Rockford when the sky turned an odd shade of green. His mom looked up and said, That's going to be a bad storm. Rawls' mom was right. The tornado that struck Boone and McHenry counties developed at 3.50 p.m. two miles southeast of Cherry Valley, then headed to Belvedere, then near Woodstock on a 28-mile path, reaching a width at points of two miles. Thirteen were killed in that area, including three children under the age of 10, and 300 were injured. 
12 school buses were tossed around at Belvedere High School at dismissal time. Damage caused by that tornado reached $20 million, nearly $183 million adjusted for inflation. The Chrysler Corporation later donated two buses to School District 100 in memory of the three children of employees of the Belvedere Assembly Plant. Farmers from Indiana and Amish as far away as Pennsylvania reportedly traveled to help clear the fields of Illinois farmers that they had never met. A little more than an hour later and 25 miles south of that tornado's endpoint, another touched down at 5.10 p.m. in Elgin, Illinois. This F4 tornado traveled through Cook County and onto Lake County on a 17-mile path, causing $10 million damage before ending in Lake Zurich. The worst tornado of the Chicago area on that day in April 1967 was yet to come. At 5.24 p.m., an F4 tornado began in Palos Hills, traveling to Oak Lawn. Oak Lawn's Starlight Drive-In was hit hard, and as the tornado tore through the area, speaker stands were pulled from the ground, and the steel supports that held the screen up were bent, toppling the screen onto the area used for the kids' playground. As this occurred an hour before the starlight was set to open that day, one can only imagine the injuries and loss of life that could have occurred with a lot full of 1,200 cars all trying to escape the onslaught of that tornado. The Oakland tornado tore across the Dan Ryan Expressway during rush hour, tipping over a tractor trailer before heading out over Lake Michigan. The 16-mile path, which reached widths of 200 yards, caused over $50 million in damage, nearly half a billion dollars in today's value. 33 people were killed in that tornado and more than 500 were injured. It is the deadliest tornado to ever hit Chicago. The early 1970s saw a number of tornadoes come through the Chicago area, but for me, none is as memorable as the one that hit on June 13, 1976. On that day, an F4 tornado formed in my hometown of Lamont, Illinois, about 28 miles from downtown Chicago. It would later be called, quote, oddly vicious in newspapers. The first signs of damage in Lamont appeared at 5.18 p.m. near the Santa Fe Railroad, just north of Lamont's downtown. The tornado then moved in an up-and-down motion, destroying trees on either side of Bethany Lutheran Church, also damaging the church's roof. After causing destruction at St. Cyril's Church, it headed east, where it found Lamont High School. There it blew in windows, tore a portion of the roof off, demolished the baseball dugouts, and blew down the press box at the football field. The twister then traveled north, passing over the Desplaines River, where it took down ComEd transmission towers. This was at 5.48 p.m. By this point, Lamont had been under siege for a full half hour. The twister then headed northwest, shredding. 200 old oak trees in the Waterfall Glen Forest Preserve. At Argonne National Labs, the roof was ripped off the biology building. Several homes near 86th Street and Lamont Road, just south of Downers Grove, were splintered before the tornado lifted 
at 6.20 p.m. The Le Mans storm had traveled on an eight-mile path, but was only on the ground reaching full intensity for one and a half miles of that. During that stretch from the east city limits of Lamont through Lamont Township and onto the intersection of Archer Avenue and McCarthy Road, two people were killed, 23 injured, 87 homes were destroyed, and 82 structures were damaged. Losses caused by the twister, which lasted 62 minutes, were estimated at $13 million. Quote, more than 90% of the tornadoes in Illinois follow the classic southwest-northeast route, but not this one. Raymond Waldman, chief meteorologist for the National Weather Service, said back in 1976. Waldman went on to explain, quote, Three aerial and three ground surveys of its route indicate that it began in a northwest to southeast pattern, veered easterly in the most intense, devastating portion of its route, then cut north and then northwest. It was almost as though it was trying to make a reverse circle. Its final touchdown was almost five miles due north of its first touchdown, and that is most unusual. Waldman was joined by Mr. Tornado himself, Ted Fujita, in investigating the storm. It was explained that if viewed from a satellite, it would appear as if the twister had etched out a J-shape over the area. Another odd aspect to the Lamont storm was that its average forward speed was 10 miles per hour compared to the 35 miles per hour that most tornadoes travel. This one took its time wrecking my hometown. Oh, where was I during this? In the southwest corner of my family's home, looking through the tiny window as everything swirled about, completely unaware of just how bonkers this day was for the community around me. Remind me to ask my dad why they didn't have us move back away from those windows. For many, the 1990 Plainfield tornado nearly 33 years ago, as of this writing, is still fresh in their memories. Plainfield currently has roughly 25,000 residents, but in 1990, the area was still made up of a lot of farmland, which kept the population around 5,000. On August 28, 1990, a supercell thunderstorm formed around 12 p.m. local time near Janesville in south-central Wisconsin. That cell produced a tornado that touched down in Pecatonica, Illinois, approximately 15 miles west of Rockford, around 1.42. The storm continued to move southeast toward the Aurora area, producing four short-lived tornadoes. This developing weather event hit the Aurora Municipal Airport in Sugar Grove, where 20 propeller planes were flipped and hangars suffered serious damage. By 3.15 p.m., the supercell had created the primary tornado, which first touched down in Oswego, about 45 miles southwest of Chicago. It rapidly gained force from an F2 to an F3, damaging homes in Wheatland Township in Will County. As it traveled over open farmland, the intensity of the twister reached F5. It then crossed US 30, where it threw a 20-ton tractor-trailer more than half a mile from the road, killing the driver. Three other motorists in this area, unable to avoid the tornado, 
were also killed. When the tornado reached Plainfield, Illinois, it had weakened slightly, but was still on the high end of an F4. This was at 3.38 p.m. Two minutes later, the twister reached Plainfield High School, where three people were killed, including a science teacher and two maintenance workers. Next in the path was the Plainfield School District Administration Building, where the wife of a custodian was killed. After crossing Route 59, the twister slammed into St. Mary Immaculate School and Church, with three more lives lost. The tornado continued its deadly rampage, destroying hundreds more homes and buildings, all while taking more lives before lifting in Joliet, Illinois. The twister's parent storm eventually dissipated around 4.30 p.m. The National Guard was called in to keep people from trying to return to damaged and potentially dangerous homes and to keep looters at bay. The city of Chicago sent 10 tow trucks to move the roughly 170 smashed and overturned cars from roads to a school parking lot. The Plainfield tornado, following a 16-mile path, claimed the lives of 29 people, with 350 more injured. The twister caused $165 million in damage, nearly $400 million in today's value. As of this writing, it remains the only F-EF5 twister to be recorded in the United States in August and the only one to ever occur in the Chicago area. Around seven months after the Plainfield tornado, nearby Lamont, Illinois, roughly 10 miles northeast of Plainfield, saw an F3 tornado pass through. Fortunately, weather forecasters had anticipated the storm by a full day, and when the warning sirens blared, residents of Lamont had a full four minutes to find shelter. Seven people in Lamont were taken to hospitals, and although there was structural damage, it was far less than the devastation in Plainfield the year before. April 9, 2015, 11 tornadoes occurred across northern Illinois with six of those from the same storm. Of that event, the most notable was the EF4 that hit the Fairdale and Rochelle areas roughly 80 miles due west of downtown Chicago and just 20 miles west of DeKalb, Illinois home to Northern Illinois University and its roughly 20,000 students. The tornado that hit Fairdale and Rochelle spanned 41 minutes with a length of 30.2 miles. Sadly, this event claimed the lives of two, injured 22 others, and caused severe damage to approximately 30 buildings in Rochelle. Debris from Fairdale was found 60 miles away. This was the strongest tornado to occur in northern Illinois in 25 years. Follow-up to tonight's tornadic activity. A tornado touched down near O'Hare Airport at 7 p.m. local time, delaying flights and forcing travelers to take shelter on lower floors. There were damaged buildings, but fortunately no injuries were reported this time.
Thanks for listening to today's episode about Chicago's terrifying tornadoes. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by me, Tommy Henry. As always, if you have questions about anything covered today, anything to add or have an idea for a future episode, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. I have links to several books and other items related to this subject and other parts of Chicago's amazing history. If you or someone you know is a history nerd like me who would like to learn more, anything ordered through those links, not just the items listed, may earn a very small commission for the podcast and help offset production costs at no additional cost to you. The original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on these social media pages was created by John K. Schneider, Aces Johnny. He can be found at Angel Eyes Art JKS on Instagram or via email at angeleyesartjks at gmail.com. I will be back soon with more stories from Chicago's history. Until then, get out and explore when possible. Learn more about whatever city you live in and please stay safe.